Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Sabrina. It was good to see you Wednesday night. You as well, my dear. I love when we, when you come visit us. A little sneak peek visit. Yeah. Who else we got on the call today? Uh, Victor, good morning. Good morning. Nicole Murray Torrance. Good morning, Nicole. Evan Janice on the call. E.J. Word. Good morning, Penny in Colorado Springs. Good morning. Jerome, Colorado Springs. Good morning, Jerome. Shaq from Torrance. Shaq from Torrance. Word, Shaq. Jonathan from Torrance. Good morning, Jonathan. Good morning. It's good to see you too on Wednesday. Yes, it was awesome. Thank you again. Oh, it's my pleasure. That's what I do. Who else we got? Anybody else? That it? Got like seven of us? It's cool if that's all we got. I'll roll with the seven. I learned a long time in leadership. You can't wait on people. You can't wait on the perfect time to have everybody there, everybody on a call, everybody in an emergency meeting, everybody in a leadership meeting. You just got to sort of go with it. Whoever you got, that's the right people there. <clears throat> and you just sort of move on. It's a valuable lesson to learn really valuable lesson to learn in leadership. All right, let's rock it, peeps. I hope everybody had a happy 4th of July. Ours was insane. <laughs> I was just, uh, I, was, uh, I was looking at my Instagram story, <laughs> and for some reason the fireworks part of it didn't display it. I know it's sort of silly. It's like, uh, who wants to see fireworks? It's just like, we moved from Chino Hills to Chino two years ago, and Chino is awesome. Chino has uh, – fireworks aren't illegal. So, well, I, I take that back. Like, most fireworks aren't illegal. I think if they shoot up in the air, they are. So we went to my brother-in-law's and, and had a pool party there, and I brought over about seven pounds of pulled pork that I smoked on the smoker yesterday, which was just sick. Um, but in any event, like, they had just moved to this neighborhood and they're on a little cul-de-sac, and literally, like, you've got up and down the street, every single family has, like, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars <laughs> in fireworks, and everybody's got lawn chairs on the end of their driveways, and everybody's got their stuff set up in the middle of the street, and just everywhere you look up and down the street, it's just crazy sick amounts. And his neighbor comes over to my brother-in-law, and he's like, uh, hey, you got any fireworks that shoot up in the air? And my brother-in-law's like, no. He's like, oh, you're the new guy. Because <laughs> everybody else, it was like crazy 
how big and bad these fireworks that they had. It's just lined all up and down the street. There's just smoke everywhere, like nonstop. You look to your left, you look to your right, just fireworks going off everywhere. And uh, so uh, at about, uh, we weren't even halfway into it, and a uh, patrol car, like an SUV, uh, uh, a couple of cops in SUVs come rolling about halfway down the street and stop. And then one of the neighbors just walks up to him and he just says, hey, look, uh, four of us up and down the street are LAPD. He's like, all right, have a good time. And <laughs> the dude is backing out and trying to get out of the neighborhood. Literally, he's stuck and can't get out of the neighborhood because <laughs> behind him, they were setting off a whole bunch of fireworks in the street. <laughs> he had to just sit there and wait for this whole fireworks display to finish going off before he exit. Oh, my God, it was so funny. It was so funny. We had such a good time yesterday. I love Fourth of July, not only because of what it celebrates, but it's just a cool time to get together with friends and family and he owes anybody any gifts. It's just like celebration and good times and a lot of fun. So, But that was yesterday. It's a holiday, not a Halloween. I know a lot of people are taking today off, and that's cool. Uh, in our business, like you will be ridiculed and maybe maybe it doesn't come across as pure ridicule but maybe there's little jabs little people taking pot shots at you know little people criticizing you uh because you're working on a day like today or you're working on a black friday or you're working on a memorial day or a labor day or you're missing a uh the first half of a family barbecue or a little kid's birthday or something like that and People that care about you and quote unquote support you are gonna are, are gonna take little jabs at you. <clears throat> like, what's wrong with you? Everybody takes the day off. Everybody's off work today. Nobody works. And uh, it, the hardest part is in the early stages of this business. And by the way, the early stages of this business can last two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight years for some people. Now, some people it's six months or 12 months or 18 months, but it, the early stages can last a long time. And in the early stages when you're working hard and grinding it and you're, and you're not making a ton of money, <clears throat> and oftentimes the people who are taking these little jabs at you are out earning you or they're out earning you or they're earning about the same as you, but they're working less hours. Plus they got like benefits and they don't understand what you're doing. They don't understand where you're at, and they take little shots at you. And, and, and we are pre-programmed that as a culture, the majority of the people are like, hey, you should have today off. Today should be a screw-off day. You shouldn't have to go into work. And the fact that you're choosing to work, you're choosing to get on a conference call, you're choosing to make calls, you're choosing to run appointments, there's like something's wrong with you. And that's where they literally begin to think like, oh, it's like a cult. Because why would anybody work today? Why would anybody want to work today? Why would anybody, quote, unquote, have to work today? Um, and they just don't understand when the majority of them have today off. They don't understand what you're doing, how it works. They don't understand why you're doing it. They don't understand what your goals are, what you're capable of accomplishing here. They don't understand how you're going through the personal growth and how many challenges you have to overcome to achieve big things in your life. They don't understand any of that because they've chosen sort of, you know, what some might call the easy path. And it's easy in some regards in that it can be can seem more consistent at times and more steady at times. And though the ceiling may not be as high, the floor seems higher. 
by the floor, I mean, you know, they get a paycheck every week or every other week or twice a month. And it may not be enough to make their dreams come true, but, you know, it's enough for them to consistently pay their bills and have a little bit of spare change in their pockets. And so I'm sure there's times where they're laid off or downsized or merged or whatever, and they panic and they stress, but then they seek out the very same type of employment that did that to them. And at the end of 40 years of doing that, likely they haven't accumulated very much, if anything at all, just according to research, according to the stats, right? And so they don't understand where you're doing something where literally the floor is the floor is in, in what you're doing, pursuing being an entrepreneur, building your own business, building a company. The floor isn't no income because it's possible in building your own company that you could be investing money, spending money, investing time, and earning no income, which in that case – your floor is below zero because it's actually costing you time and costing you money and you're not getting any income in return yet. Or maybe you're getting a small amount of income uh, in relation to how much you're investing of your time and how much you're investing your money. Maybe you're investing in personal office space. Maybe you're investing in a plug-in fee. Maybe you're investing in the platform fee that includes the E&O and all the different resources, the marketing resources that we have. Um, maybe it includes investing in you know just uh, the big events that you're going to, or the licensing process, or a small team function at your at your house, or maybe it includes in uh, investing just in in the gas and the wear and tear on your car, just getting to and from meetings and to and from appointments, or taking people out for breakfast or coffee or lunch. And what you're getting in return seems like an unequal exchange. And in, the, in stage one of building a business, the amount of time and energy and the amount of money that you invest in and what you get back in terms of financially and what you get term, back in terms of recognition um, is oftentimes out of balance and out of skew. And then you get to sort of that middle stage that middle stage where you've got 25 to 30 people showing up to meetings. You're making somewhere between like 130 and 180. And you now have more income, more autonomy, more flexibility, in more control of your schedule, more control of your time, more confidence, more freedom, more toys more discretionary income than the overwhelming majority of the people that you associate with. And so it begins to seem like a fair exchange. But quite frankly, even at that stage, when you're at 130 to 180, you're putting in a lot of hours. You're still working a lot because the business is, the company hasn't finished being built. It's still dependent too disproportionately on you. It's not 100% it's not 100% on you at that stage where you got 25 to 30 people showing up to meetings. You probably have 50 licensed agents. Um, you probably are able to get, you know, 40, 45, 50, 55 people to a, a big event. It but a lot of it's still on your shoulders, not all on your shoulders. Um but you're not done building the company because when the company is done being built, you don't want really any of it on your show. In other words, you want the company to run with or without you. Steve Jobs, and it's sort of a far-fetched example, but Steve Jobs built Apple, and Apple succeeded without him, continues to succeed without him. That's what you want to do when you build a company. You want to build a company where 
at a bare minimum, like less than 20% of the income is coming from what you do. So that 80% of the income is overrides, residual income from your book of business, renewals, trails, earns, um, money under management, um, supervisory overrides, bonus pools. You want 80-plus percent of your income to come from that which is outside of you. And when that happens, now you've really built a company. But until you get there, it's a lot of work, and it's going to seem disproportionate. And sometimes when people take those shots, and sometimes, man, sometimes it's almost like a backhanded compliment, like, I can't believe you don't have today off. Uh, I really respect how hard you work. And it's almost like it makes you sort of second-guess yourself. It just plants a few more seeds of doubt in there. And I'm, here to, I'm just here to tell you, friend, like, I get it. I totally get it. I, I get, like, how those seeds of doubt can be planted and watered and fertilized and nurtured in moments where it's like, 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 where, you know, like today, my wife is, uh, my wife and two of the kids, Alex and Lexi, are going to the beach with her sister-in-law and my niece and nephew and another friend from the school and a couple other kids. And, and I, and quite frankly, I debated whether or not to go because I could, but I just decided, you know what, no, I, there's, there's a lot for me to achieve. I'm really in the hunt right now. Summer has always been the time that I'm like, I put in extra time and extra hours to grow and to catch people, to pass people. Summer is always the time when I reinvest more and more time into my business to build it up bigger so that come the fall, I'm really ready to engage fully when September, October, November hits. And so I decided to pass. Certainly could have, but I decided to pass. Don't have to. Matter of fact, at the at the barbecue yesterday, at the Fourth of July party yesterday, you know, another people, hey, uh, do you have to work tomorrow? That was the question. Do you have to work tomorrow? I said, nah. I said I'm thinking about it though, because I had a procedure done on Tuesday, so I, I was out of pocket all day Tuesday because the anesthesia and stuff. And, and I worked some Wednesday, but I didn't get as much achieved as I wanted to. I said, so I think I'm gonna go in and get get some things done Friday and. Uh, get ahead of some things, get ahead of my Monday, get ahead of next week, and uh, really drop the hammer on some things. And so it was, I don't have to work today because 95 plus percent of my income comes to me passive today. But I choose to because I enjoy it. It's not something I fear. It's not something I'm trying to avoid. It's not something I dislike. Like I enjoy what I do. And um, I enjoy doing what I do as much as I enjoy many, many other things. And so I'm choosing to work today because there's more things that at my stage I want to achieve. I'm not done yet. Though my income is 95% passive and residual and overrides me, I'm not done building what I want to build. I've got bigger goals, and for me to achieve bigger goals, I've got to work more. I can't rely on everybody else to work more. I've got to work more to build a bigger base yacht, build new frontline first-generation leaders, build new frontline first-generation SMDs and EMDs and CEOs, and so that's on me to do. And so that's why I'm choosing to work today. But I get where you're at, and here's the thing, and I've shared this before. And I just had a great uh, team meeting with Christine Smith and her people on Wednesday, and I've shared this before on calls and in meetings and, and so forth, but it, it's worth sharing again, like, I was talking to Christine's team, and I was like, here's the fact of the matter. Where, where Christine's team is right now, and her team's outstanding, they won the MVP belt for the Synergy Hierarchy at our 
Welsh Bowl in January. So they were the number one MD team by golf score. And that's a huge achievement. So the, she's got a really, really strong MD team. Now, they, didn't, they weren't able to defend that, uh, and it was taken from them at our spring sizzler, but I know they're laser-focused on getting it back at the convention kickoff. And I was sharing with her team Wednesday, because many of them probably aren't aware or don't appreciate it, that like the fact of the matter is, Christine has this crazy good MD team right now, but the fact of the matter is she's not really making much more money than she was two or three years ago when she was largely a personal producer with our company. Like her income is a little bit higher than it was then, but the amount of work, the amount of responsibility, the amount of demands, the, 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 the amount of chaos around her as she's recruiting and field training people and building and teaching and course correcting for people and overseeing and supervising and giving people feedback on F&As and on data collection and closes and teaching people how to work the phones and do one-on-one. Like the amount of work and stress and chaos that she has taken on has magnified tremendously over the past couple of years, but her income is not. And so you get to that stage and it's like, is it really worth all this effort? And I was sharing that with her team because they don't realize, I don't think, or, or maybe don't fully realize or fully appreciate like how much of herself she's giving and what she's getting in exchange at this stage. Now, it's easy for people to get to this stage and go, God, I just don't know if it's worth it because the way our mind works, our mind works in a very linear way. And so she's look, it's easy for somebody at Christine's stage to look at their income, to look at their results and go, um, if I want to go from my current income to doubling my income, I'm going to have to take on twice as much stress, twice as much chaos, twice as much responsibility, twice as many appointments, twice as many phone calls, twice as many meetings, twice as many underwriting challenges, so forth and so on. And that's just the fact of the matter is that's not true. It's not even close to true. When she's at the stage that she's at, it's almost like the peak of the challenge and the frustration. It's almost like you've swum, you're, you're trying to swim to the other side of a lake and you're at the halfway point, and you're getting really tired, and like you feel the physical fatigue, your muscles are cramping, you, you've you know your you, your lungs are breathing heavily. It's just getting harder and harder and harder, and it, the the shore on the other side just doesn't really seem any closer than it. Like every ten yards, you keep looking up, and it just doesn't seem to be getting any closer. It just keeps seeing seeming like it's the same distance away. And there's a temptation to turn around and swim back because there's a greater familiarity with where you've come from than there is with where you are going to. And it feels like it's going to take way more time and energy and way more of the unknown to get to the other side than to just retreat and go back. And your mind starts getting filled with doubt and you start second-guessing yourself. And the fact of the matter is, it doesn't, the amount of stress and work and responsibility and calls and appointments and underwriting, it doesn't double. It doesn't because as you move from 15 people showing up to meetings to 20 to 25, somewhere around 25 to 30, 
you're going to have one or two leaders, probably two, that have really stepped up and matured, and they're going to start carrying a lot of the heavy lifting with you. It's not all going to be on your shoulders, and that's going to be a relief of sorts. And that's why the work doesn't just keep exponentially get, get more and more and more for you. Now, the truth of the matter is those individuals might already be on your team, but at your team size of 12 or 15 or 17, they're not mature enough in the business. They're not independent enough. They're not, they're not, their consistency and their results isn't great enough yet to really lighten your load significantly at all. But at about 25 to 30 showing up to meetings, it is. It is. And you, at that point, you probably have three or four people in addition to them, maybe five, that are pretty consistent producers. They're not, like, they're not carrying all that, but from time to time, they'll care, carry part of the load for you. On a given month, maybe two of those five are going to carry a bigger load than you expect. And maybe the next month, it's a different two. And maybe the third month, it's a new one, but one of the two from the previous month. And things begin to get easier. The product, productivity begins to go up. The amount of recruits, the amount of new licensed agents, the amount of recruits that become clients, the amount of recruits that become licensed agents, the amount of licensed agents that become validated, the number of apps that are being written, the size of the apps, the net point ratio, all those things begin to improve as the team grows because you have more people that are on top of more things and helping you. And then you get to sort of the third straight stage, which is the orchestration stage. And that's where you've got so many independent leaders that are doing so much of the work for you and with you that less and less of the heavy lifting is falling on your shoulders. It, it, Don't think about the it leaders. Anymore. Stay focused on that recommend. And Daniel, and we can hear you, bud. I know I can. Daniel Holt, we can hear you, bud. So you might want to mute yourself or go help that person with that FNA, okay? At the orchestration phase, you're spending more time giving people leadership, mentoring, coaching, giving direction, um, reviewing how the systems in place are running and tweaking those systems. You're still doing uh, some of the quote-unquote grind work that got you there, but it's disproportionate. The amount of income that comes to you passively and residually at this point, the amount of recognition that comes to you, the autonomy, the time management that comes to you, it it almost seems to be like um, as disproportionate or even I, I would actually say exponentially more disproportionate than the lack of income and the lack of recognition was in the early stages, in the beginning stage. Like I, I, I follow Greg Cap on Instagram. You should follow him too. And like uh, this month, one of his cycles was $255,000. That was one of his eight cycles this month. It's just, it's just bananas, just crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. So I just want to remind you as we get to work on Friday, July 5th, sort of what you're working for and what does it look like. And, and <clears throat> I want to remind you that there's a whole bunch of people that have gotten to the other side of that lake, gotten to the other shore, and they're here to tell you it's completely worth it. You are not crazy. You are, doing, you are swimming against the current. You are doing something that other people may find crazy or they don't understand, but because they don't understand it doesn't make it not real, right? So I'm here to tell you, like, 
get all you can get today. Today's a huge day to catch up on the competition. Today, today is like, today is like bonus time. Like Michelle and I exercised for a couple of hours yesterday, and it's like, okay, we got in a great workout, like a great workout yesterday before we went to the barbecue. It's like, okay, that was like bonus time, right? Everybody else was just enjoying themselves all day. We got a couple hours of really solid quality exercise in, and then we still had all the fun we could. Today, going to do the same. Today, got the call. Going to get in like uh, I've got a hardcore workout already planned with my trainer. I've got some things I'm going to achieve at the office. I, you know what? It's still going to be a great weekend, but I, it's still going to be a great day. But I'm going to get some things done that are important to me because I'm more focused on my goals and where I'm going and what it means for me to achieve those goals for me, for Michelle, for my kids, for my family. It means far more to me than um, a beach day in the moment or than some temporary distraction or some temporary satisfaction. So um, I want to talk to you a little bit about where we're at in the second half of this call. Where are we? Well, it's July 5th. And what it really is, if we just back it up a couple of days, it's, it's halftime. Like the year is half over. And here's one of the things that you should do if you haven't done already. You should look at your, your personal recruits and your team recruits, your personal production, team production, your personal cash flow, team cash flow, number of apps written for the month of June, and write those out, and then you should look at it for the months of January through June, the first half of the year. It's really easy in a business like this for Fridays to roll into Mondays, Mondays to roll into Fridays, week, uh, week one of a month to roll into week two, to roll into week three, to roll into week four, to roll into the first week of the next month, for months to roll into months and quarters into quarters without any really distinction of separation. And that comes at a mistake. I see a lot of people who work hard every day, and, and they, they like, I, I already know what I need to do. I just need to make the calls. I just need to run the appointments. I just need to invite the guests. I just need to whatever, fill in the blank. But they're in such a routine that there's no sense, there's no real big distinction between the close of one month and the beginning of another. There's no real big distinction between the ending of one week and the beginning of another. It's too much like every Monday and every Friday are about the same, and that's a mistake. There's got to, like, you've got to have clear dividing lines. It's like when the kids go to school, like my kids have quarterly grades and then semester grades and then a third quarter grade, then an end-of-the-year grade. There's clear distinctions there. Sports is the same way, whether it's hockey or basketball or football, or baseball. They all have clearly defined periods that make up an entire game, or an entire series, or an entire month, or an entire season, or a playoff um, run. And, and you need to do the same. At this point, you need to look at it as halftime and really dive into your numbers at the halfway mark. And if your numbers aren't where they, you want them to be, I want you to write down just this little, <clears throat> this little formula, if you will. Whether they are where you want them to be or they're not. Activity plus skills 
And then I'm going to put in parentheses, plus knowledge equals results. And so on a scale of 1 to 10, you need to look at your activity, like what's my, uh, what's my prospecting activity? How many new names and numbers? How many new prospects? How many new qualified prospects am I getting per week? On a scale of 1 to 10, am I nailing it? Am I anemic? Am I somewhere in the middle? Is this an area that I need to get better in or I'm, uh, my activity is high? What about the number of uh, contacts you're making, phone calls that you're making daily and weekly? Am I like crushing it? Am I uh, anemic? Not as far as the results, but the number of calls that I'm making daily and weekly. What about the number of presentations I'm on, whether we call those one-on-ones, whether we call them hiring interviews, we call them ASAPs, data collects, recommends, or closes. We call them KTPs, whatever you're calling them. How many presentations? Not results, what's my activity level daily and weekly is on a scale of 1 to 10? Is it a 1? Is it a 3? Is it a 7? Is it a 10? What about my guest count and one-on-ones? How's my activity there? Not the results of them, but how many do I have per week? Is it a 1, a 3, a 7, or a 10? And then, so we look at that, and maybe I need to increase in my activities or in specific activities, maybe other activities I'm crushing it. You, you want to self-evaluate. You want to go over those, you want to go over those that analysis with your, with your upline leader, with your SMD or your EMD locally. <clears throat> and then you want to look at skills. So maybe my activities are high, but, but I need skill development and prospecting. How is my skills as far as prospecting? How are my skills on the phones? How are my skills at overcoming objections? How are my skills in my presentation? How are my skills in my KTPs? How are my skills in my one-on-ones and hiring interviews? Scale of 1 to 10. Do I need to have a plan in the second half of the year as it relates to my skill development? Let me talk to you and get some feedback from my upline SFD from my local executive marketing director, whoever that is. Let me get some feedback. Here's where I think I am in each one of these skill sets. Where do they think I am? And what's a plan that the two of us could put together to get me better in this area or in that area? If there's more than one area I need to get better at, which one should we target first? Which one should be the priority? And which one can become secondary? And we really begin to look at that. Then I look at knowledge. And I have knowledge in parentheses. Why do I have it in parentheses? Because quite frankly, if you've got high activity levels and decent skills and you're getting people into our system, you don't have to be that knowledgeable because there's plenty of people around you in the office that have the knowledge that you're looking for. And you'll get much more knowledge through your activity levels. So I'm not too caught up in you having to have a really high knowledge level because I just don't... It's good to have. You want to have it over time, but I just don't think it's necessary for you to get the results that you're looking at because there's too many examples of people that get great results that don't have a, a ton of knowledge in one area or multiple areas of our business. So um, knowledge is something that we should acquire over time, but it, knowledge is not a prerequisite to our activity levels. And knowledge is not a prerequisite to our um, uh, to uh, to our skill set. It's just not. And so those okay. are really the things that we need if to look at. Okay, we can hear you. 
asking if they need to text. Please mute yourself. I'm sorry I didn't mute the call today, um, but I need you to mute yourself. now. Sorry it took so long. I thought I remembered correctly and I pressed the wrong number. So activity plus skills and then in parentheses plus knowledge each equals results. So if your results in the first half of the year aren't where we want them to be, aren't where you choose for them to be, and if you want dramatically better results in the second half of the year, we need to evaluate our activity levels. We need to evaluate our skill set levels. But there's, a, there's one more component that I intentionally left out of the formula that I want you to now add into the formula. And that one more component is not a plus. That one more component really is a multiplier. It's a, it, it has a multiplier effect on your activity and your skills. And I, I call that multiplier, it's your beliefs slash your identity your beliefs slash your identity. If you've got weak beliefs, if you're filled with doubt, if you have limiting beliefs, if you, if you don't expect to do well or make a lot, or your identity is one that you don't think you deserve to make a lot of money, you, or you don't deserve success, or you don't see yourself as being ready for success yet, or you, you uh, subconsciously are in conflict, with having success and then what other, the way other people may think of you, for example, that even though you have a high activity level and high skills, that becomes a multiplier that can either diminish your results if, you've, if you're filled with too many limiting beliefs and if your identity is not strong enough, or it can dramatically increase your results if your beliefs are super strong and your identity is strong. Like, like for example, we've seen people come into the business with low skills, zero knowledge, they're new in the business, they create a lot of activity, and because their beliefs are so strong and their identity is so strong, they get crazy results. And we look at them and go like, how in the heck are they getting so much better results than me when they don't even know what the heck they're doing yet? They don't know any of the scripts yet. They don't know anything about the, our system yet. They don't know anything about the products yet. Or, and yet they're getting such unbelievable results in all kinds of areas, not just one area, not just inviting guests, but they're doing great on one-on-ones. They're actually across the kitchen table, like they're closing business. Like how are they doing all these things? Their beliefs and their identity is so strong that it becomes a multiplier of their activity even though their skills are weak and their knowledge is non-existent. So when we look at our beliefs, and we look at our identity, and we look at our sense of self-confidence, I just want to remind you of a couple of key components on this Friday, the July 5th. I don't care if you're at Christine Smith's stage, or you're at Daniel Holt's stage, or you're at Mark Onstott or Nikki Cannon's stage. I don't care if you're at my stage. I don't care if you're at Jay Jr.'s stage. I don't care if you're at Paul Ireton's stage. I don't care if you're at Dan Charlier's stage. I don't care if you're at Ed Milet's stage. 
you're going to have doubts. Every one of those people has doubts. Every one of those levels has doubts. You are never going to be so successful, so confident, so anything that you don't have doubts anymore. So the key is, is if we understand that you can't completely remove all your doubts. The key is, is I've got to build my self-confidence. So my self-confidence muscle, the amount of self-confidence that I have is so much greater than my doubts that when I start, when doubt starts to creep in, when I start to have doubtful thoughts, when I start to go down that bunny hole, right, that I've got so much self-confidence that I can redirect, I can change directions from a direction of going down doubt-filled questions where I'm asking myself questions that fill me with more and more doubt. I can redirect before I get too far down that path because the path that leads to self-confidence and certainty is a bigger path and it's more widely traveled. It's a deeper path. It's, it's dug in even deeper and wider, and it carries a lot longer. <clears throat> so it's fairly easy for me to distract myself off the doubt train because I've got so much self-confidence. How do I go about doing that? There's a number of ways. First of all, a lot of self-doubt or low self-esteem, low self-confidence, low self-worth, a lot of that comes from us being misguided in what we think gives us esteem or what we think gives us self-worth. Here's like four of the most common things that people screw up. I first heard this from uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer like 20 years ago, and it still rings true today. I want you to write this in your notes. If you haven't been taking notes, now would be a good time to start. You are not your looks. So if you're short or you're tall, you're skinny or you're fat, if your skin color is too light and too pasty or it's too dark, if, you're, if you have too much hair, if you have not enough hair, um, if, <laughs> like, if you are what, like fill in the blank, you are not your looks. Your self-esteem, your self-worth, your self-confidence shouldn't come from your looks, whether your looks are good or not as good. It's just that, like that's not what determines your value or worth. We're all created in the image of our maker, in the image of our maker. And so if there's any self-esteem or self-worth related to our image, it should be a positive one if we're filled with the understanding that we are in the image of our maker. But in our culture, because they do so many things from a marketing sense, it's been a especially to women, to make you feel not good enough. So if you just buy this product, if you do this to your hair, if you get this kind of a lift or this kind of a tuck, if you wear this kind of a clothing, if you, like, they're always trying to convince us that if you do this, then you'll look good enough. And when you, and when you look better, you feel better. And when you feel better, then your self-confidence, self-esteem goes up. You are not your looks. You are not your possessions. Whether you drive a hoopty or a Bentley, you're not your possessions. Whether you're renting a small apartment somewhere or you're living in a chateau, you are not your possessions. Whether you've got nice jewelry or no jewelry, you're not your possessions. Whether you've got really nice clothes or you shop. I have a client literally that shops at like, um, um, like Goodwill and like thrift stores and like that for 
her, for her husband, and for her whole family. <clears throat> just one of the things they do to save money, and she's got no shame in her game. She's not embarrassed. Like, it's, she takes pride in finding really good clothes and really nice condition and really good right brands and stuff like that at thrift stores. <clears throat> You're not your possessions. You're also not your lack of possessions. Because you don't have this or that doesn't mean you're not worthy. It doesn't mean that you can't have self-confidence. You don't have to pretend like you have more in your bank account to have self-confidence. It's just not necessary. Um, Number three, and this is really a biggie, and I want you to hear me on this one, especially on a day like today when many of you are working and most of the people you know aren't. You're not what others say. You're not what other people say you are. So just because somebody says you're not good enough or you're not going to make it or who do you think you are or you're not smart enough or you're not good at math or you, like whatever people are saying about you, good or bad, good or bad, that's not who you are. And that's not where your self-esteem or self-confidence should come from. Because if, if people are saying great things about you, that, 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 shouldn't, that, that shouldn't affect – like. If they're saying great things about you and that contributes to your self-esteem and self-confidence, then, if it, then when they're saying bad things, and they will, <clears throat> that'll deplete it. Your self-esteem, your self-worth, your self-confidence has to come from a place that is independent of the opinions of others, that is independent of the good intentions of others. Because we live in a, we live in a culture where it's just far easier for people to be critical of others. It's far easier for people to tear others down rather than to build them up. And so I want you to be aware of that. You're not what other people say you are, even no matter how close those people are to you, no matter how much they love you, no matter how much you love them, you are not who people say that you are. And your self-confidence and self-worth should not come from what others people say about you, even if that person is your spouse. That's not where your self-confidence should come from. And then lastly, you are not your results. <clears throat> Whether you get good results or bad results in WFG, whether you get good results or bad results in your bank accounts, whether you get good results or bad results in, your, in the gym or in your exercise or in your health, whether you get good results or bad results in your relationships, like that's not who you are. And your self-esteem and self-confidence and self-worth shouldn't come from your results per se. Now, each one of these things can at times help us to build our self-confidence, but they shouldn't be the things which our self-confidence is built on. <clears throat> We're the, the, the best way, there's a couple of really keys to helping us to build our self-confidence or self-worth and our self-esteem. One is through reprogramming. If you would just take out this weekend your copy of Think and Grow Rich and I'm sure most of you have a copy. If not, you can probably get huge chunks of it online for free. I would like you this weekend to reread Napoleon Hill's chapter on auto-suggestion, auto-suggestion, and what he says about auto-suggestion. Maybe if you have a little bit more time, if you're going to the beach or the lake or something of that nature, maybe pick up a copy of James Allen's as a Man Thinketh, he wrote that before Napoleon Hill. It, it, you can read As a Man Thinketh in probably 90 minutes. One of the things I love about the book, it was written so efficiently. Like 
he writes paragraphs worth of content and meaning into a single sentence. There's no, there's not a wasted word, I don't think, in that book. And it will reaffirm for you the power of auto-suggestion, of reprogramming your mind, of you intentionally programming your mind, instead of letting the good intentions of others program your mind, instead of letting the culture program your mind, instead of letting the, the media program your mind, instead of letting social media program your mind, instead of letting um, things around you in your environment tell you what you're worth, you can take over control of that, and you've got a responsibility to do so. You've got a responsibility to program the way you think in good times and the way you think under pressure and under stress. One of the simplest forms of auto-suggestion is affirmations. And writing affirmations and reading them out loud and beginning like over time to convince yourself of the affirmations that you're reading. The whole point of affirmations, like if, if, if you've got, like, if you're really charismatic, you don't need to affirm your, to yourself that you're charismatic because you already are. But the things that you don't think that you are, and which in many cases you really have the ability, you have the gift, you, or you can develop the skill to be, you need to begin affirming to yourself. I remember years ago when we talked about this in Sabrina Crump who would go out of her way for the first how many years in WFG to tell you that she's just not competitive. She, like, she, would, she would convince you that she's just not competitive. She's just not a competitor because, you know, she's the mother hen and wants to love on everyone and encourage everybody and just like she's the glue that holds everybody together and builds relationships. And she just didn't because she saw com- competing as almost like a dirty thing, as, as something that alienated people that was as opposed you know, she's so inclusive in her personality so that she didn't want to be exclusive that she thought to be competitive that you had to berate people and put people down and attack people and make people feel bad. And she began to affirm that she was competitive and that she loved to compete. And it's amazing. I, I know when she began to tell herself this, she didn't believe it for the life of her, but she was just doing it because she thought she was supposed to because I encouraged her to. And over time, she's become really, really, really competitive. You can convince yourself of anything. My wife laughs like multiple times a week at what she calls the world that I'm living in. And what she means by the world that I'm living in is that I'm constantly convincing myself of a world that supports me in every way, shape, and form, and that uh, a world that is in alignment with my desires, my goals, my dreams, and a world that is in complete alignment with me. And she's just like, she just, sometimes she'll hear me say something. She's just like, you're not, you're crazy. Like you're delusional. Like you are completely living in your own world. It's like la la land. And that is true because I'm constantly affirming to myself the reality that I want to live in, that I want to experience and that I want to create. And you can do the same thing too. It, over time, spaced repetition, daily, out loud, you don't need 100 affirmations, but you do need 8 or 10 or 12 really solid ones that you begin to say out loud on a daily basis to really convince yourself. Your intention as you're saying your affirmations, it's got to be filled with meaning and feeling, and you've got to be fully associated. You've got to be trying your best to convince yourself of that which you're saying. Some people say affirmations, and it's almost like they're reading the TV guide. 
right, or they're reading the Wall Street Journal, and they say their affirmations, but they're not really trying to convince themselves. And in the moments where they, where they need that affirmation to be true for them, it's not because it was, they were just reading their affirmations like they were reading the side of a cereal box every morning. It's just not changing the way that they think. You've got to read your affirmations every day out loud with the purpose of trying to reprogram and change the way that you think. And by the way, when you're really focused on trying to change the way that you think, you're not just reading your affirmations in the morning or in the evening. Like It's throughout the day that something will show up and you'll start to go down this bunny trail of doubts. You'll start to be distracted. You'll start to get caught up in an old pattern of thinking and you'll be self-aware and you'll catch yourself and you go, wait a minute. And then you'll start to throw in whatever affirmation you read in the mornings that is going to realign you and get you headed in the right direction, right? It's like, it's like when you're on an exercise plan you have an, and you're taking your exercise plan to a new level and it's really physically exhausting, it's emotionally draining, and you're really being challenged at a whole new level it's really easy for doubt to creep in your mind. I'm not so sure I can finish. Like, I think this is enough. Like, I need to build – like, there's all kinds of things that can be said to yourself at that point. And that's the time when the affirmations need to kick in. Like, man, I, like, one more step. I just – one more step. One more rep. One more. I can, like, I can, like, I got another 30 seconds. Like, no one can stop me. I've got this. No one can stop me. I'm unstoppable. I don't care how bad it hurts, not going to stop. I got this. I'm like, as you begin to tell yourself that stuff, it's hard in the moment to necessarily believe yourself, but over time you actually begin to believe yourself and you get stronger mentally and you get stronger emotionally and then you get stronger physically because of it. So that's one way that we begin to build our self-confidence and our self-esteem and our self-worth back is through the power of auto-suggestion, the power of affirmations, and really conditioning our mind, reprogramming our mind. But I want to share with you one other thing, one last thing before we call it a call. And that is, if we look back to the original formula that we introduced halfway through this call, and you go, man, my activity just isn't as consistent as I need it to be, or my activity, quite frankly, it's not as high as I need it to be, or my skills aren't as strong as they need to be in these areas, and I really haven't gotten that much better over the first half of this year in those particular skills. I'm really good at these skills because I like them a lot, but those skills I'm not very good at, and I haven't gotten much better at this year. Or I'm really good at these activities, but I haven't gotten much better at these activities because I don't like them as much. Most of us, our sense of pride gets in the way, our ego gets in the way, and we decide what we need because we already know what we need to do in those areas. We decide what we need is more discipline. I just need to be more disciplined in making my calls. I just need to be more disciplined in the consistency of my calls. I just need to be more disciplined in tracking my daily units. I just need to be more disciplined in my follow-up. I've got to be more disciplined in underwriting my cases to help my NPR. Um, I've got to be more disciplined in just practicing and role-playing this script or whatever the case might be. And what I would suggest is you're setting yourself up for failure. Like there's a much easier solution. If I could tell you an easier solution than self-discipline to getting yourself to increase the activity levels exactly where they need to be increased, 
or if I could give you the magic recipe that is far easier than self-discipline at increasing the skills where they need to be increased or becoming more consistent in the activities, would you be open to trying it? Because there's a way easier way to do it than trying to discipline yourself into more activity, stronger skills, and better results in the second half of the year. Though most of us are going to want to just go with the self-discipline, even though we've proven to ourselves the first six months of the year that self-discipline hasn't worked in these areas. And here's what the easy solution is to increase our activity, to make our activity more consistent, to increase our skills in the areas that it needs to be increased. Here's what, here's what the easiest solution in the world is. Are you ready for this? It's accountability. It's choosing to be specifically accountable in that area. Now, I know a bunch of you are already, I'm already accountable because you throw out some sort of text to your upline or some group of people and, and, and it's like you're reporting your results, good or bad, and it's like, and you say that you're being accountable, but accountability is really that sense of, no, like this has to be done. Somebody is really holding me accountable. I'll give you an example. So everybody knows that one of my big three um, goals for the year, I had three huge goals for the year that I'm absolutely determined to achieve, and one of them was to really get my health to a whole new, new level. So I had started late November, back in the gym, hitting it. I've been working out with, in the gym with weights since I was 14 years old. Quite frankly, 40 years ago when I was 14, uh, that was not a very popular thing to do, even amongst high school athletes. They, most kids just didn't lift weights. And if they did, it was like a coach sort of made them, but it was a half-butt thing, that the equipment wasn't the same, the training techniques weren't the same. There was no podcasts or bloggers or YouTubes related to that. And so I've been lifting a long time. I've worked out with lots of trainers over the years, worked out in lots of gyms. I know what I'm doing and I know how to do it. And at the end of January, despite knowing what to do and how to do it, what I realized was, you know what, I'm not, um, I'm not getting enough progress and getting close, uh, close to my goal in the speed that I want to. So I reached out uh, to a guy who used to train Michelle and I 10 years ago. He owns his own gym. I said, hey, I want to come start working out with you. We developed a, um, a, a program, and I started working out with him on a regular basis. Now what I figured out like a month and a half or two months into that is I'm, now I'm getting a lot more progress because I'm getting some accountability in these areas. I'm, so I'm getting a lot better progress than I was without him because he's making me do a whole bunch of exercises that I would never choose to do on my own. Like I'm not going to go into a gym by myself and choose to slam a 25-pound medicine ball right? Or, or at my age to be doing like box jumps or lunges on like a box with, you know, kettlebells or like, this is, he's got me doing stuff that I know is good for you. I'm just not going to choose to do it. There, you know, I want to do uh, incline bench press. I want to do some curls. I want to do some tricep pushdowns. I want to do some shoulder press. Like there's a bunch of things I want to do, but there's a bunch of things I don't want to do that he's got me doing. And so, that increased the intensity of my workouts and the accountability, but it, six weeks in, eight weeks in, I'm making more progress, but still not enough. So then I decided Michelle and I are going to start doing prep meals. So we would start on Friday, Saturdays, or Sundays doing batch cooking for the week. And Michelle bought on Amazon like these prep meal containers. And so we would just fill up like 10 or 12 or 14 of them um, on a Friday or Saturday, Sunday for the next week. And then I'd We'd have lunch every day. We'd have some dinners covered where it's like predictable, it's healthy. We know exactly what's going into them. It's the right portion control. 
And so after doing that for a while, my results started increasing. And then what I realized towards the end of June that even with working out with the trainer, even with the prep meals, even like I'm still not, I've made a ton of progress since I started in late November, but I'm not where I want to be, not where I need to be, and I'm not halfway towards my goal for the year. So I need to take it up still yet another notch. And so I started texting him last Thursday, the, the guy that I work out with, Randy, and I'm like, hey, bro, I need to meet with you tomorrow. And he's like, oh, I can't tomorrow because he had all this stuff going on. And I, he's like, I can't next week. And next week was like Monday or Tuesday of this week. And like July had already started. And I was determined to meet with him before July 1st. Why? Because to me, I'm at the half, it's halftime. I've got to make some real adjustments. I've got to interrupt some patterns. I've got to make decisions before July 1st. And so I kept bugging him and stalking him. And finally, he's like, fine, I'll meet you here over by my house at this little diner that's close to me. Here's what time I can make it. Like, there's, and so I, I adjusted my schedule to meet with him, but it was absolute, like, it, I was, I was going to find a way to meet with him before July 1st. And I said, bro, here's where I'm at. I said, and I walked him through all the progress I made where I'm at. I'm out, like, I'm, but I'm not, like, I need to take it to the next level. It's still not enough. And so I talked about some ideas that I had, and I said, here's really what I'm asking for. I'm asking for a whole other level of accountability from you. And if, it, if you can't do it, if you just got too much going on running your gym, I get it. But that, that's what I need is I need somebody who's going to take a whole other level of personal accountability with me. <clears throat> and so he actually said, he said, I knew it was something important to you because the way you kept stalking me. He said, and I was hoping it was this. I didn't know what it was, but I was hoping that this is what it was. And so he put together a plan to sort of take things to the next level. Um, could I have back in January just self-disciplined myself into, into doing more of the workouts that I wasn't doing, doing more of the exercise? Yeah, I could have. But I've gotten a lot more discipline over the past five months because I chose accountability. Accountability has made me far more disciplined in this area of my life than if I would have just tried to self-discipline myself. Choosing accountability is choosing to increase your activity level. It's choosing to increase your skills. It's choosing to increase your results. It's choosing to get to where you want to go faster by choosing real accountability. And sometimes like I did on a week ago Thursday, Sometimes you've got to chase down that person that, that needs to hold you accountable. Sometimes you need to chase down your SMD or your EMD or your leader and, and beg and convince them to hold you to a higher degree of accountability. But if you do that, you've got to be willing to hold up your end of the bargain. They shouldn't have to chase you once they agree to intensifying the accountability You've got to really want it. You've got to want it bad enough to hunt them down, to make yourself to, to make yourself convenient to their schedule, to agree to the terms, and to say like, "Hey, here's here's what I want. I need your help," and to submit to that. And it's such an easier path to get to where you want to go to than trying to self-discipline. But it's a scary path for a lot of people because they're afraid of failing. They're af- I'm not afraid of failing. I'm afraid of not reaching my goal. They're afraid of what's going to happen when I really don't feel like it or I've really got a good excuse and they're still holding me accountable. 
That's when we grow the most. That's when we learn the most. So I want to challenge you, in addition to the auto-suggestion and the affirmations, I want to challenge you to choose a new level of accountability in your business and to go to somebody who's going to hold you accountable, accountable, accountable and to go to them with ideas, just like I went to Randy with ideas, and to go to them with an open mind to hear their feedback. Because Randy had feedback for me that uh, was hard to hear but important. And rather than defending myself, I just listened and I let it sink in and I let him say his piece and I really chewed on it. I, I really pondered it. And in the end, his feedback, the harshest feedback that he had, the most critical feedback that he had in the end, he was right. He was right. And it was a little bit of a blind spot of mine. And I think allowing, creating a space and environment where it allowed him, my coach, my mentor in this area, to give me really strong direct feedback and me not sort of needing to hold on to something but being open to receiving it and really giving it careful consideration and realizing the truth. And he was trying to help me. He wasn't trying to put me down or hurt me. And in his effort of trying to help me and my willingness to just sort of listen, I found a blind spot or two that was important for me to take my game to the next level. Choose accountability. Choose to really affirm and reprogram your mind. Choose to take a time out, a half time right now, and really dive into the numbers, make the adjustments necessary, and decide to do something big. Take your team. Focus on, don't focus on a promotion. Don't focus on a watch or ring. Focus on getting 25 to 30 people showing up to meetings. And if that sounds like a lot, focus on getting to the next marker. Maybe the next marker is for you is five people showing up to meetings. Maybe the next marker for you is 10. Maybe the next marker is for you for 15. But you've, you've got to focus on markers and getting yourself there. And what are the activity levels and the skills necessary to get me there? And how can my leadership help me get there? Last thing I can say is this. This is truly a company, and, it, and it, there's, no, there's no denying it at this point. There's, there's been so many hundreds and so many thousands of people that have earned the greatest income of their life here, that have achieved things that seemed impossible beyond their wildest dreams here, that have achieved, achieved crazy goals, that have come from nothing where they don't speak the language, they don't have the degree, they don't have the connections, they don't have the age or the wisdom, they don't have the experience, they don't have the skills, they don't have the resources, whatever it is, and they've gone on to earn a hundred thousand and a quarter of a million and a half of a million and three quarters of a million and a million dollars a year, and in some cases multiple million do- millions of dollars a year, and they've paid off all their debts and they've put a bunch of money in savings, and they've bought their dream house, and they've bought their dream cars, and they've retired their spouse, and they've helped with their parents in retirement. They've put their kids through schools. They've, they've been able to live their American dream here because of our platform, because of our leadership and our mentorship and our systems in place, and because of the mission of the company and how terrific the products and services are for our clients because of the unbelievable cop plan. You can do it here. 
and nowhere are you going to go where people are going to believe in you, encourage you, teach you, mentor you, hold you accountable, give you feedback, help you along the way. You're not, never going to find a place that's going to do it as much as we are. I promise you, you can do it. But you can't do it by yourself. There's no self-made millionaires here. They've all gotten lots and lots and lots and lots of help along the way. You can do it here, but you're not going to do it without help. You're going to need the help of teammates and SMDs and senior leaders. You're going to need the help of spouses and parents and siblings. You're going to need lots of help, teammates and colleagues. You can do it here, but you're not going to do it by yourself, and you're not going to do it without help. You can do it here. You can achieve your wildest and craziest dreams faster than you believe is possible, but you're not going to do it without accountability. You're not going to do it without accountability. You're not going to get there without keeping score. You're not going to get there without tracking your results, and you're not going to go there without having somebody keep you accountable daily, weekly, to the areas that you personally need accountability. You're either growing or you're dying. One of the surefire ways of ensuring that you are growing is to have somebody who cares about you hold you accountable. Whether you like them or not is really irrelevant. You need somebody who cares about you and has the best interest in your success holding you accountable. I hope that ha- helps. Happy 4th of July. Happy 5th of July. Happy halftime. Happy second half of the year. I don't care what the first half of the year has been like. You, like The second half can be exponentially better. Be, decide what it is that you're going to apply from today's call and start applying it today. Begin to execute some of the ideas. Don't just receive them like you listen to a podcast. Take action. Put them in your schedule. Put them on a to-do. Text somebody right now. Call somebody right now and make sure that you begin to implement some of the things that we talked about in today's call. Have a great Friday, everybody. A great Saturday, everybody. And let's crush the month of July. Love you guys. Take care. 